Let's invite Nigel Allen to the... Yeah, come on, give it up for him. Bless him. Let's all stand. If we can stand and just pray for him, bless him, anoint him. Bless him, anoint him. Bless him, anoint him. Let's pray for him. Bless him, anoint him. They're in a new season. I believe they're in a season where they've been transitioned into some new calling, a calling that is of a verbal nature where their spoken word will go out through the preaching of the gospel, encouragement of the word, encouragement of their testimony, and they shall go out, Lord, to the peoples of this nation. And we say yes and amen and more of it. Give him your best attention, your best faith. Come on, guys. Thank you, Pastor Phil. I'm used to saying thank you, Pastor Phil. Thank you, Pastor Julie, because we're from Christian City Church at Oxford Falls, where Pastor Phil Pringle, the founder of this incredible movement, resides, the most incredible pastor on the planet. He's incredible. We love him so much. Pastor Phil and Pastor Julie, it's an honour to be in your house. I tell you what, guys, the Holy Ghost is in this place. I walked in here this morning. I didn't get past the, the Japanese um, petitions there. <laughs> and uh, the fire of God hit me and I wept for the first hour. And I'm probably going to weep again now and that's good news. Let me tell you, in 1996, when you were called to plant the church here, we were called from the Gold Coast to Christian City Church to go to Bible College to learn how to preach the gospel so we could be here today. <laughs> Hallelujah. And that was a war. Can I tell you about that? When God speaks to you guys, give in. Give in. Just do what he tells you to do. Don't argue. Do it. Give in. So God called us down to Sydney. Lucy didn't want to go. As you notice, Lucy's only a tiny person, but she's part Tongan. She puts the grass curd on and the bone in the nose, it's all over. <laughs> she's got six sisters, there's seven of them, they're all under five foot and I call her mother Snow White. Her father was a boxing champion in New Zealand, she was brought up on the tough side of town and we've left the Gold Coast, we've come down to Sydney or we tried to pack up, Lucy wouldn't let us pack up. She said, I'm not going. The removalist packed the truck three times and unloaded it three times. And Lucy's father had a heart attack in New Zealand. Not a good thing, but she had to fly to New Zealand. So guess what I did? Packed up and went down to Sydney while she was over there. Then she flew back and she wouldn't unpack the house. I'm sharing this story for a reason. We laugh about this now. And she uh, wouldn't unpack the house. I knew we'd been called to Sydney. I knew God wanted to take us out of where we were and take us to Sydney to Christian City Church. And Lucy said, I'm, we're going back. So we went back to Queensland. Unbeknownst to me, Lucy said, if you don't speak to me by Monday, Lord, we're moving into another place here. I found a place to rent. We'd got rid of everything on the Gold Coast. We're moving into a place to rent. And I had to pay the bond on Monday. She said, Lord, if you don't speak to me before Monday, we're going back to the Gold Coast. And I was just submitting to this. I said, Lord, you need to work on my wife. I'm not going to work on my wife. Husbands, don't work on your wife. When you come to the altar and get married, that's not a license to alter anybody. <laughs> so I just went for the ride and we're in this restaurant in Burley Heads 
having lunch, knew nobody. My three children are there. Julie, that was unbelievable. That was just incredible. The whole worship team, give them a hand, that was just awesome. Anointing on that song and on your voice was just awesome. So we're in this restaurant up in the, uh, uh, in Burley Heads. And, uh, I'm at the, we're not having a really good relationship during these few days. Of course, none of you have been through that, have you? And we're there and, uh, and I'm at the ice cream thing with my children and one of my children goes, quick dad, come back to the table. I'm thinking, oh, Lucy's giving the waitress a workout or something. So I went back to the table and there's a lady standing there shaking like this. And she looked like she'd come from the rough side of town, like a Byron Bay type of look about her, scruffy, a bit dirty, all that sort of stuff. And she's standing there shaking. She said, oh, this is going to sound really strange to you, but, but I used to be a prostitute and, and I was on the street and, and a year ago I gave my life to Jesus and, and I've, I've come in three times and I've gone out three times and, and it's going to be weird. I've got a word for your wife and I'm too scared to give it to her. I said, prophesy, honey. And she just said to her, God's called you out for a reason. He's taking you down to where you're going to go for a reason. Blah. And she went on and on and on and on in the fire. So we went to Sydney. Lucy wouldn't unpack. True story. So I said, this time we're going to fly back. So I went out to the airport. And uh, Lucy wouldn't get on the plane. Strong one. Which she stands on the things that God says now. She's a strong one. And nobody can budge it. She's had the opportunity to prophesy over some of the most famous men that you'd know and women in the world that ring her. And she gives them words now because when she hears from the Lord, she knows. But she hadn't heard from the Lord. She just wanted to stay in her comfort zone at the time. I'm driving back from the airport. I'm at the end of myself. I can't do anything. My kids are in the back. I couldn't do a thing. I just don't know what to do. And I pulled into the server and I walked inside to get a bottle of water. And the Holy Ghost said, buy her some roses. I said, you buy them. I did. So you buy them. I was angry. Went to the bathroom. I got a water. Came back out as I passed the roses again. The Holy Ghost said, I said, buy some roses. Lucy's favorite flower is the rose. We've been married 24 years or something and she's got every rose ever bought her. She's still got both of them. No, no. No, 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 no. no. I was only serious. She, Lucy's got them all in a bag there and I bought the roses and I hopped in the car, honestly, and I threw them at her. I said, the Holy Ghost wants you to have these. And Lucy broke. We went back to the apartment. We were all ruined. The children and I went to bed. We got up in the morning. The place was set up beautifully. When God calls you to something, the devil will do everything he can to see that you don't fulfill that that God's called you to do. Bow the knee. Give in. He's got good things for you. I started to tell a story this morning about the coffee man. Who was here this morning? Who wasn't here this morning? Okay, it's about Gloria Jeans. Nabi Sali. Ali, where's Ali? Ali here? Ali. Born in the same country as Ali. Born a Shiite Muslim. Nabi Sali, the founder, the global owner of Gloria Jeans. He owns the whole world today. He walks around, he's got a coffee bean on his lapel. He's the same height as Lucy, he just wears a coffee bean on his lapel. And I remember looking at him and saying, Nabi, that's your vision, isn't it? He said, yes, Nigel, it is. I'm living my dream. 1,000 franchises around the world that came from a dream from God. 
Get a dream from God. Navi Saleh's on the board of Hillsong, on the board of Kenneth Copeland Ministries. He gave his life to Jesus 28 years ago as a Shiite Muslim. His family disowned him. He gave his life to Jesus. And today, I believe, he is the chairman of Kenneth Copeland's ministry. Navi Saleh, this tall, a man who believed God. Gloria Jeans is going up. Starbucks was going down. They bought half the Starbucks stores in Australia that changed the entire culture of coffee drinking in our nation. If you can do it for Nabi Saleh, you can do it for your dream. This is, this is not a club. The church is a hospital. We all need help, don't we? God's incredible. God's incredible. In 1982, I walked into a church, just a little church in Shepherd in Victoria. My brother invited there. I was broken and I was lost. Alcoholic mess. Looked great on the outside, pumping iron, all those sorts of things. But I was a lost, broken down mess. I walked into the church and I felt the presence that I felt here this morning. And the band was playing. It wasn't an organ. There wasn't somebody standing there with a collar on the wrong way. And saying, let's sing from the blue book. They were just worshipping. Only about 20 of them. And I felt this love, this presence. It was like honey of love being poured all over me. Unbeknownst to me, uh, there were four guys that the pastor said to me, would you like to give your life to Jesus? I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know that Jesus and God were related. When I was a kid, there was Easter Bunny, Father Christmas and Jesus. I found out the Easter Bunny and Father Christmas weren't real, so Jesus can't be either. But I was lost. And I knew I had to do it, so I walked out the front and this little man was about this big, I was a kickboxer at the time, touched his finger on my nose. And he said, Father, touch him in the name of Jesus. And I went, bam, down on the floor. And there was two guys either side that lowered me to the floor, speaking of this weird language over me. And my brother prophesied and said, Lord, you've called him to be a salesman. You're going to get him to preach the gospel. That was 25 years ago. And I laid on the floor and I heard the harps playing. I didn't know the Bible says in Ecclesiastes when somebody gives their life to Jesus, the angels in heaven rejoice. I heard the harps playing. I got off the floor. My brother said, I said, how long have I been there? He said, 45 minutes. I didn't hear the preacher preaching. They gave me a Bible. I went home and hid in my house for a week and all I wanted to do was hear about Jesus. I opened my Bible I opened this Bible and I gave me, every time I read the name of Jesus, I wept for another hour and I was transformed instantly. Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? He is so awesome. He is so incredibly, unbelievably awesome. Transformed my life, transformed my wife's life. My son, who's got the ability to go and play Major League Baseball in America right now, doesn't want to know. He's smoking hooch, smoking cigarettes, drinking booze, getting pissed out of his head, punched my car the other night to death. You know what happened today when we got home? His best mates right now are Angry Anderson's two boys, and they're awesome boys. And guess what? Angry Anderson's oldest son's got the call of God in his life. He's got leadership all over him. I got home today and my son said, oh, G, they call him G. G and I have decided we're coming to church once a week from next week. Hallelujah. Something broke this morning when you prophesied. Hallelujah.
didn't really know what I was going to say. When I got up, got some messages, but I just would prefer to move to the Holy Spirit. But I'd really like to finish off what I started about this morning is that there's two births. You can't argue with the first birth because you're here, aren't you? You're incredibly, unbelievably awesome. Psalm 139 verse 13 to 16 says, I knew you, Katrina, before the foundation of the earth was laid, when I knit you together in the deepest parts of the earth, and every day of your life was written in a book before one of them came to be. That includes today. That includes now. You're not here by accident, Michael. You're here on purpose. This is my awesome friend, Michael O'Connor. Give him a hand, please. I employed Michael at E. Allen Ford down there when I was a sales trainer. They asked me to employ all the staff. I didn't employ the staff the normal way. I sat there and asked the Holy Ghost. And then I got the honor to lead Michael to Jesus for one day. God's on your case. God's on your case. Two births, one author. There's two births, one author. So I'm in Christian City Church one night. Pastor Phil had been preaching as I shared this morning. He had an older call. I used to walk around amongst the people and the Lord would show me those that are battling to go out the front that are really tugging and they want to go out the front. They want to walk down the front and give their life to Jesus because that's the birth canal from your seat to the altar. And this particular night, Phil waited 10, 15 minutes. It seemed like eternity. And I knew who the young man was. I turned around. I saw him up the back of the church there standing next to his father who was built really buff. He was an ex-rugby player, special, built like you, man. But it was, but he was black on the outside and inside. He was a special marine, whatever they call him, in the special services. You see, I didn't know that his father only came to the Lord six weeks before and he said, Father, please send somebody up to my son's seat to pull him out the front. And I walked straight up to him. I said, do you know Jesus? And in the pommy accent, he said, no, I'll be all right, mate. I don't know how to speak English accent. Right? That wasn't it, was it? He said, I'll be right. I said, no, you're not. I said, my heart's thumping, so is yours. He said, come with me. I had to be a Holy Ghost bouncer right then. So I took him down the front. When he got down the front, Phil said, and you're him. Phil had prophesied and said, there's a young man here that needs to come to Jesus that I've called that he will preach the gospel to the nations of the world. But firstly, you need to be born again. His father came up to me afterwards. And he said to me, I was praying that God would send somebody to get him out of his seat because I couldn't do it. And that light I laid on my bed. And I said, Lord, why do I walk around and try and pull people out of their seats? You've been there and seen me do it, is that right? Why do I do this? Am I trying to be a hero? Am I trying to get some notches on the belt and look at me? Aren't I awesome? I knew that wasn't my motivation, but I needed to ask. And the Lord said, no, son, you're a midwife. Another name for a midwife is an evangelist. An evangelist helps people be born. Again, Mr. Preacher, preaching at Phenomena, get ready for the fire of the Holy Ghost to come out of your mouth in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. And uh, I went home that night and I laid on the bed and for three hours, the Lord showed me a vision because I said, I want to know, what's this born again thing, Lord? What are we in the, uh, we're in the 
what club are we in now? Is it the born again club, the Presbyterian club, or the Catholic club? What club are we in? What is this born again thing? And he said, you're a midwife. And I said, what does that mean? He says, well, just like a midwife. We've got one in the room. A midwife in the natural helps children be born. A midwife in the spiritual helps people be born again. And the Lord showed me over the next three hours the parallel between the natural birth and the spiritual birth. I'm just going to give you a couple of those little snippets. You see, when you're witnessing out there in the marketplace, they can't argue with the fact that they're born. They're here. And when you can start to share the story about being born again, what it actually means. As I said this morning, for those that are not here, when the sperm cells are released from the loin of the father, there is 80 to 800 million released. I saw the biggest photograph ever taken in the history of the earth from satellite. It could be seen. There were 70 million Hindus at the Ganges River trying to wash their sins away. Well, you don't need to do it that way. But that's what they were trying to do. I don't think the water would have been too good after half an hour. 70 million. But there were 80 to 800 million sperm cells released and every single sperm cell has got different DNA. Mathematicians, not Christian mathematicians, but mathematicians have put together a mathematical formula. They believe if you could duplicate the DNA of one person to another, if you could, and it still wouldn't work, they don't think, but the one-inch piece of paper done in a reel would have to be 37,000 kilometres long. That's just the mathematical formula to duplicate your DNA. A sperm cell swims up to 147 kilometers if it takes the 36-hour window that it needs to to get to the egg, which is up in the fallopian tube. 147 kilometers. Don't tell me you're not a marathon swimmer. Don't tell me you're not a winner. I was sharing this with a professor of biology when I was getting some PowerPoint presentations done on this. And he said, Nigel, as he was weeping, he said, you know, we've found that when sperm cells are going up, we see a divide take place. We see soldier sperm turn around and kill other sperm to let the chosen one go up the middle. I didn't say this. He's an unsaved, doesn't know Jesus, professor of biology, one of the most respected in our nation. He said, it's not documented yet, but that's what we've seen. Now, when the sperm cell gets up to where the egg is, millions of sperm have to die. Because I asked the Lord, I said, why didn't you just send one? That'll do the job. Why send all those other ones? Because you see, when a sperm cell dies, it releases a chemical that breaks the hard shell around the egg cell so that one sperm can penetrate and now we have pregnancy. You see, when you preach the word, Pastor Phil, Pastor Julie, and everybody else that preaches, they are called spiritual sperm cells. They carry the DNA of the Father. And when that word goes into the heart of a person that doesn't know Jesus, many of those words might die. You might be thinking, I've been witnessing to this person for years and years and they're not getting anywhere. Is that right? Who's been there? And all of a sudden, the crust, the hard shell around the heart, those words have broken it down so that one can penetrate and the person becomes pregnant just as a child before it's delivered is in the womb. The honour that a lady has because she's got a womb is to give birth. The job of the female is to give birth. The Bible says the church is a female. 
Jesus said, I'm coming back for my bride. So if she's a female, she's got a womb. And if she's got a womb, her job is to give birth. And the churches that are not giving birth don't have the Holy Ghost because this Holy Ghost is a seminal fluid around the sperm cell of the Father that takes the seed to the heart. If there's no Holy Spirit to take the sperm cell, the words just fall out of their mouth on the ground. There's people in the congregation screaming to be saved. There's no uh, seminal fluid to take the spiritual word to the heart. Isn't that awesome? God's showing me these things. I'm sitting up in Kuala Lumpur with Tim Hall. Does anybody know Tim? Telling him this story. He said, I'm going to steal it all. Now, when the sperm cell and the egg cell join, the egg cell is the biggest cell in the body, the sperm cell is the smallest. When they join, any mathematician would think you'd now have two cells, wouldn't you? No, it agrees with Genesis. You have one. That's why it says that a husband or a man will leave his family, his mother and father, and join to his wife and they'll become one. Not two. So those two cells immediately become one. And then they go four. And then they go twelve. On the third day they have twelve. What happened on the third day? I think God was skiting. Twelve disciples. I know one of them didn't make it. But he was meant to be there. Isn't that awesome? And then the baby goes down into the womb and it stays there for nine months. If somebody doesn't try and intrude, you see, when a woman gets pregnant, the cervix gets a cervical plug in there. It's a hard plug. I used to teach artificial insemination for animals many years ago, so I've always loved physiology. See, God will use what you really love to talk to you. What you think about most of the time, he'll speak to you. And the cervical plug means no intruders, please. I'm creating in here. You know a child's never joined to its mother? Oh, a child is never joined to its mother. A child has an umbilical cord. The umbilical cord goes to the placenta, which the baby lives in. On the outside of that is some sponges called cotyledons. And in between that is a semi-permeable membrane or a membrane like a piece of glad wrap, and that joins onto the womb, which has got another membrane called a cotyledon. And it's like me touching you through a piece of glad wrap. child is never joined to its mother. It gets fed. When the mother's blood system is full of food and the child's has got none in it, a miracle happens where what's in the mother gets sucked into the child and the child's full of wastes that get sucked into the mother. So here it is. The mother's blood system is designed to wash the blood of the child to bring natural food and take away wastes. In the house of God, the blood of Jesus, the heavenly womb, delivers heavenly food and takes away sin. Isn't that awesome? God showed me that. Isn't that amazing? Oh, Child's never connected to its mother. We've got a production about a, an abortion that didn't take place. Every 31 days around the world, the entire population of Sydney is aborted. It's the devil's killing fields. Fatherlessness is the biggest single problem on the face of the earth. And in the prayer room one day, the Lord showed me, Satan himself is fatherless. He used to have the father of all fathers. 
He lives in the unseen world. He can see what he's missing out every day and he wants to inflict that on us. That's an aside. Most issues, 96% of prisoners are fatherless or motherless or both. If I asked for hands up here, there'd be many people that put their hands up right now, including me, that were fatherless. Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? The day of birth comes. A hormone's released called oxytocin. Oxytocin's job is to create contractions in the womb to push the child through the cervix and out into this world. In the kingdom of God, who in here, when you're about to come to Jesus, your heart was racing? When a child's in the womb and those contractions start, the heart begins to race. In fact, if it stays in the womb too long, it can die. If people stay in the house of God without getting born again too long, they can die in the house. So the Holy Ghost puts contractions on us. There's many people that arrived at the altar and don't even remember doing it. They just arrived. What am I doing down here? Holy Ghost, you're so awesome. Ah. And they arrive at the altar. When a child comes out of the womb, I looked at our first daughter. I didn't know that they were black when they came out or really dark blue. I didn't know. Is this your first bubby? Second, so you know. They come out, they're really black. I looked at my wife and went, Who are you, Benjamin? No! I didn't know. Her face, Bridget, my beautiful daughter, her face was pushed in and looked pretty ugly, really, don't they? Oh, really? But as soon as you took a breath of the new life, her countenance changed. When a person goes down to the altar, through the birth canal to the altar, they take and they accept Jesus as their Lord and Saviour, and the Father cuts the umbilical cord to the old life. You can't carry that placenta around with any longer. It's useless. It's no good to you. When the Father cuts that thing off and the person takes a breath of a new life, who's seen somebody that just came to Jesus and 20 minutes later their whole countenance is different? They go out the back, they get a Bible, they come back in the church. Michael, your whole countenance changed. I said it to you, didn't I? I said, look at the peace and glory all over you. Michael's never been into the church like this ever and he's here tonight, he's got his hands raised. Hallelujah. Guys, if you don't like this, you're going to hate heaven. My father said to my brother, when he came along to my daughter's dedication, he said, uh, I've never seen such a crazy bunch of emotional fools in my life. And my brother said, what do you mean? I've been at a rugby game with you, you all-black supporter. I've seen you guys going insane, clapping and waving your hands and going off, and you're worshipping a hunk of leather. They're worshipping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the creator of the entire universe. I'll talk to you after. Right? So the person comes down and they give their life to Jesus and they're a brand spanking new person. It's a real thing. God always had it in mind. Two two births. One author. We need to be born again. Isn't that awesome? There are so many parallels that he just showed me and he just showed me and he just showed me, and he just showed me. Then I understood what it was. So when you lead somebody to Jesus, or when you come to Jesus, you're coming to a brand new life. That's why when we go into heaven, we don't take this body with us. 
When the sperm cell bites into the egg cell, the whole body doesn't go, the tail falls off. That that got them to the next dimension is not needed any longer. That's why when we go into heaven, our body's not needed any longer. It's just a tent to carry us around. Right? Isn't that awesome? So if you don't know Jesus, you need to know him. There isn't anything else. I tried it all. I faced 14 years jail. You don't know that. I went through a three-day trial. I could have got 14 years jail. My wife was sitting there. I was unsaved when I got on this charge. God had mercy on me. I prophesied out of my own mouth exactly what was going to happen. The man in the corner of the jury with a moustache will walk out and wink at your wife and go like that. Look at your wife and you come out out of the cell and see if you're going to be set free. That's exactly what happened. I looked at my wife and she smiled at me. When we were in the car on the way home later when I was found not guilty, I said, how did you know? She said, the foreman of the jury came out, winked at me and went like that. That's the Lord. He's awesome. If you don't know Jesus, if you've never accepted him as your Lord and Saviour, Walking into a church doesn't make you a Christian just like walking into McDonald's doesn't make you a hamburger. Walking into your garage doesn't make you a car. The only thing that makes you a Christian, this is what it means. There's no such thing as a born-again Christian. Sorry. You can't be a Christian until you are born again. That's what it is. That's what it means to be born again. When I get to heaven, I will be talking to Adam. And Eve, crunch into the apple, everybody out of the pool. That's awesome. Thank you. If you don't know Jesus, you need to know him. I've waited 25 years to preach the gospel. And I had a prophecy the very first week that I would. I work as a speaker, a conference speaker, and I speak on stages around the world. But it's not like standing in the pulpit where the fear of God's on you and you're speaking his words, not your own. I've waited that long to preach the good news. And you know something? These beautiful people this morning released us in the name of Jesus. And I only want to see people saved, born again, on fire, fulfilling your vision you have for your life, fulfilling the vision that God has for you. He's got a plan and a purpose for your life. If you don't have a vision, make getting a vision your vision. He's got a plan and a purpose and you are incredible. You are so incredible that God sent himself to die on the cross in the name of Jesus. And the blood of Jesus will cleanse us from all sin. Just like the blood your blood right now is cleansing your body. Hallelujah. What are you doing about it? You're just eating broccoli and maybe a few snails or something like Lucy had a hamburger thing. We were living in Auckland and she made me drive 35 kilometers into the city of Auckland to buy a hamburger when we had a McDonald's 200 meters away. No, I want to go to the city one. So Lucy would waddle across the road and the security guy, here she comes again. And buy a Big Mac. This is true. Buy a Big Mac. We led a lot of people to Jesus at that time. They were walking around the street as well. And she'd get in the car and eat the hamburger. And I knew a kilometer down the road, I had to stop because she vomited it up again. 
Unbelievable. Two births, one author. You've had the first one. Now, if you are born again, but you're having a challenge, if you're not as close to God as you were today as you were yesterday, guess who moved? He doesn't move. You take a step towards him, he'll run towards you. He gave us a free will. We're not robots. He gave us a free will. There is nothing. The world doesn't have anything. It's got nothing. It has nothing. It's empty. It promises so much and delivers nothing. In my book I say this, if drugs was the key to life, then drug addicts should be the happiest people on earth, and they're not. If alcohol was the key to life, then alcoholics should be the happiest people on earth, and they're not. I was one, and I know what that means. So is my father and his father. Now I've broken that thing in Jesus' name. And if sex was the key to life, then prostitutes should be the happiest people on earth, and they're not. The key to life is Jesus. I was going to call this book Born a Winner, Live a Winner, Die a Winner. The day before it was going for publication, I was in the church worshipping Jesus, and I saw this book with a key on the front. I thought, man, that'd be a good book for somebody. Don't get me out of my comfort zone. I'd already done the artwork. The key to life. Oh, no, God, please, come on. Now, I Born a Winner... So I grabbed my Bible, I opened up the concordance to Jesus and in brackets in this Bible it said the key to life. He's the key to life. Everything will come out of that. So if you're not as close to God as you should be, you need to tonight. And if you've gone to church for years, perceiving that going into the building will make you a Christian, well it doesn't because our good's not good enough. We're saved by grace, unmerited favor. He loves us. So if you've been going to a church, but you don't know that you're going to go to heaven if you die, or when you die. I actually, I rang the Bureau of Statistics the other day, and I found out the death rate in Australia is still running at 100%. Blew my mind. Actually, I want to thank Pastor Phil and, and, and Julie so much. They, tonight they've put us up in the penthouse out there at the Peppers. Peppers Resort, I thank you for that. The penthouse there is incredible. We were nearly late this afternoon because I don't know whether you've seen the towels in those suites. They're awesome. They're like that fluffy. And it took Lucy 20 minutes to fold them into our suitcase. <laughs> no, I was only serious. Again. So if you don't know that you would die right now, and go to heaven and be in the arms of Jesus. You need to know. You need to know. Those people in the fires in Victoria, in King Lake, just going about their day. And you know that fire? There's nothing compared to the fire we can meet if we don't know Jesus. I'm a loving, gracious person, but I tell you, I stood in a bank line one day and I saw all these people and the Lord showed me a picture of all these people in the bank line, their skin burning and all that, and it broke my heart. I said, Father, when I get a chance to preach, I'll help you bring as many people to you as we can. Come on, guys, it's a life of joy. It's awesome. He is incredible. He is so incredible. So can we stand, please? Is that Redeemer? Bow your heads, folks, so we keep integrity in the house.
for anybody that might be. It's not about us. You know, I write in my phone every day. I have four letters. N-A-A-M. N-A-A-M. And I read it every three hours and I put it forward three hours in my phone so it goes off and there's alarm. And those N-A-A-M says, not all about me. It's not all about me. It's about you. It's about other people. So if you don't know Jesus or you think you're not as close as you should be, or you've been going to church and you don't know if you died tonight, you're going to heaven. I want you to raise your hands, please, right now. Don't fight, just do it. Because remember, I'm the midwife. I might even come to you, to where you are. <laughs> just put your hand up. Thank you. I see the hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. I want to pray for you. You know, prayer is unbelievable. Prayer will transform your life. The Bible says, if you honour me before man, I'll honour you before my Father in heaven. So for those precious people who put your hands up, please walk out to me right now. Anybody else, if you're battling, give up the battle, just give in. Don't fight. He's got an awesome plan for your life. He loves you.